Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Backpacking and Blisters podcast, everybody. My name is Carl Mandrioli, and I've got a very special guest host today, Bill and Jesse. He's the guy that is so into the Ice Age because he just thinks it's really cool. Oh, man. That's it? That's what you got for me? That's it. That's what I got for you. Yeah. Because of that, I'm not even going to bother introducing you because you already said your name, too. So <laughs> people don't know who you are. I, mean, I did. That's a problem. So this is actually our very first video podcast. We're now on YouTube on a weekly basis. And you'd think, you'd think that our first video podcast would include the regular co-host, Derek. It did not. Well, would they? If if they've been listening for any time, they'd probably <laughs> expect Derek to not be here. Let's be real. <laughs> he, he did miss episode 100, which is a pretty big milestone. <laughs> <laughs> he's you know he's got a character to play Derek, uh, Carl, and Derek is like he's perfected it. He has, he has. Yeah, he'll yeah he's 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 still the main co-host. He's coming back in a couple of weeks. He's had some scheduling problems with his nurses. He's got two special needs kids at home, and uh, yeah, he's got yeah. a lot on his plate. So he'll be back. And hopefully better than ever. But in the meantime, we've got, yeah, I kind of reached into the bullpen and pulled out Villain Jesse. So, man, really appreciate you coming today. Hey, no problem. It's good to be here. All right. So, kind of got a couple things going on. So, first of all, this is like we're just introducing an interview that I had uh, a little while ago with a, a famous backpacker, Emily Ford. Yeah. Yeah. Like super famous. So famous. I had <laughs> never heard of her before. And. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's how you win people over just like that <laughs> hey, okay like as much as i may not have heard it have heard before i mean she's done some wild things well and she has documentaries made about her and in film festivals film festivals yeah so documentaries film festivals are you not as plugged in as you should be maybe not i mean she even was just like she's in Banff. she's in my home turf right and uh Never heard yeah, of her. Over here. So, so, so now you got introduced to her. And so, yeah, we kind of extensively went over her achievements. Uh, the big one that we're focusing on is she did the uh, Ice Age Trail in Wisconsin. And she's the second person to complete that. And she did, like, in the wintertime. Second person to complete okay. in the wintertime. But I looked up her on her bio. Yes, or on the uh, Ice Age Trail information thing. First, or second person, but first woman and first woman of color. That okay. have done it in the winter, and and probably the only one at this point is is that correct? I well, I said first, so I assume okay. probably the only one. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's been a little while since she completed it, so yeah. So we yeah. went, yeah. So anyway, I had the interview with her. We'll get to that in a couple minutes, and um, yeah, we'll chat about that. We got some good things that came out of that 
talk for sure. So, but we do have a Bible verse for the episode. Genesis 2.18. You might even know this one. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. He didn't say that woman, it's not good for a woman to be alone. (laughs) (laughs) Because technically, woman wasn't alone because she was joining the man, right? Yeah, it's true. That's true. Right. Okay. Wait, I mean, you are good. Like you're, you're kind of like a, you know, be by yourself expert, correct? I do like, well, yeah, <laughs> sort of. I don't know. I'm like one of two extremes. I'm either alone by myself in the middle of nowhere, or I am with like a whole bunch of people. Okay. Well, but you're good at, I mean, kind of going off on your own yeah. and, and enjoying that alone time. So, but I would, I would, having done that, having done a, a solo trail on my, by myself, I would emphasize that verse is true. Man is not made to be alone. You still like, like interaction. Yeah, you feel it when you're out there. Mm-hmm. You feel it. That loneliness sense in. It does. It really does. It does. I've, I've had that experience as well. So I guess my question from this Bible verse was, does this apply to backpacking? Sounds like you already answered that. Well, for short, like five, 10 day, even like a two month stand. Yeah, go for it. Enjoy <laughs> some alone time. Just don't live like a hermit. <laughs> okay. Um, just a two months in, like that's forever to me. Well, I mean, two months out of your entire life. It's a a wee bit of time. That's so funny. So it's interesting because, you know, like having you guest host this show, I feel like you are highly qualified to speak about a lot of these experiences that she had in terms of, you know, going long distances by herself and a lot of the things that she had to endure. So I'm really curious what your takeaway is. There was some, there's some really cool things that she actually mentioned that brought me back to my journey and was like, oh man, I totally forgot mm. about that. And it was like, yeah, that just hit so hard. So it was an awesome, awesome interview. She like the thing she did crazy. I mean, it's not even this, like it's the one thing to do a long trail, but to do a long trail in the middle of winter is like next, next level. level for sure. So let's get to it, man. Uh, this is the interview. Here's how it went down with Emily Ford. Emily, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I, I'm just getting back from Canada today. I was out in Banff, Alberta for the Banff Film Fest. So good to be back in Minnesota. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for jumping on our show. I really appreciate that. Is So you were at the Banff Film Festival. Is there, do you have another video coming out? Are you part of that again? Yeah, yeah. So our second film made it in. It's called A Voice for the Wild. And it talks about okay. my ski across the Boundary Waters this past winter. Boundary Waters is like a million acres of protected wilderness here right, in northern right. Minnesota. And so we okay. pushed that one in and they accepted it. And so we got to go back up to Banff this year. Okay. And so that's, so I'm not as knowledgeable on the Banff Film Festival as I should be. So when, when you went, you went to Banff, that's like the launch of their festival. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And then okay. from there they will, they pick films to go on different tours. So last year we okay. were on the Maple Leaf tour. Um, right. And so we traveled to different, we, the film traveled to different countries. I have nothing to do with it after a little while. Um, okay. And hopefully we'll kind of hop on that again. And then so right. I, I, multiple places in Colorado, they will do the Banff Film Festival, but just like in your local area. Um, okay. I'm jumping, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I didn't realize that you, you were doing that and that was, yeah, so recent for you. So thanks for. Sh- we'll, we'll get back to that, but okay, yeah. let's 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 go back to the beginning here. So, um, can you tell us just where you're from originally and what got you interested in backpacking? Yeah, originally, originally from when I was we one. I'm from actually the Twin Cities here, so this little suburb outside okay. of uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Um, and actually, it's I always think it's so funny because I come from quite the Motorhead family. So we ran 
snow machines and four wheelers and, and dirt bikes and whatnot when I was growing up mm-hmm. and ice fishing and all this stuff. Um, right. And went to college, got a geology degree. Our it was like really cool. Our field trips in college were quite fieldy like kind of in remote areas and there was no (laughs) hotels or anything like that where you know the college would pay for so we that's kind of where I learned how to camp in a tent moved to Duluth Mm -hmm. uh, Minnesota which is in northern Minnesota we're maybe about four three hours from Canada Ontario Um, right and we have the superior hiking trail that pretty much runs right through town it's awesome it's 300 and 10 310 320 miles and when I moved here, I saved up all my little pennies and whatnot. And my mom bought me my first tent. It was like a three person, I can't remember whom, oh, Alps Mountaineering tent. I don't know. I don't know why I asked for a three person tent when it was just, just me. <laughs> so you're not claustrophobic. You can kind of spread out, right? I didn't even have a dog back then. I don't know why okay. I decided <laughs> to do that. And, uh, I, and then my first backpack was a Deuter backpack which is mm, i always okay. think is like the cadillac i wanted to be that cool girl that had an osprey backpack you know because they're like they look so right. cool but they just didn't fit my body so i went yeah. for the, the deuter and gotcha. uh set out on the superior for what maybe three days i packed so stupid i i had no idea what i was doing i like my backpack was so heavy for a three-day trip looking back on it i mean I carrying a three-person tent just for myself right right and it was like mosquito infested mm-hmm. It was so hot and so arduous. I didn't even hike that many miles. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of like never looked back. And just over time, I've collected, you know, gear and, and whatnot and stopped using a three-person tent for solo adventures. Right. And um, have gotten much better at it. But I don't know. I kind of like just fell in, fell in love with it. Yeah, it's interesting you had that reaction because, I, I mean, that's the kind of person that we like to have on our backpacking trips is the person who is going to maybe struggle but then learn from the struggle, adjust, and then get better and better, right? Like you always realize the first time out, you're not going to do it the best way. You're going to always refine what you're doing and sometimes make big changes. But, you know, there's always those people that are like, this is so dumb, and then they just give up. Like, this is not for me. But the fact that you not only had the heavy pack, the gear that you regret, and the mosquitoes, and it was hot, <laughs> you're like, I love this. That's great. That's You know that you're on the right path, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there should be um, there should be like some hot list of all the gear that we regret. And you know how people are like ah oh, top ten blah oh, blah, yeah. blah of the year. I think we should just have like top ten gear we regret. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think we did an episode on that. Like I can't believe that I took that. So well, what would that be for you? What would oh, be the number gosh. one on your list that you regret from that trip? Honestly, and this is the worst thing because this is practically illegal in the backpacking world. Is I packed things in glass jars. I genuinely, oh, yes. I don't know what I was thinking. Glass is a no-go on the trail, right? Like mason jars? Yes. Okay. I don't know what I... Like, is that your water bottle? Did you drink out of a mason jar? No, I, I don't... I put, like... I had, like, a little ones where, like, I put spices and, like, put, like, things. Okay. I just, like, would put... I don't know. It was, like, part of my kitchen kit. And I... Right. So stupid. So stupid. Did any of them break? No. No, it was fine. Okay. I mean, they all stayed that's together. Good. I know. That's why you shouldn't... No glass in the wilderness. We don't need that out there. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first, folks. Don't bring glass jars on a backpacking oh trip. Oh, my goodness. So there you go. <laughs> Too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> they're heavy. And yeah, and if they break, obviously, they're going to wreck whatever's inside your pack, right? And cut you up. Totally. Probably. Totally. Likely. Yeah. That was, that was, but that's a fun one. I haven't heard that oh before. Oh, God. That was Emily circa 2016. So we don't need to go relive okay. that. 
Well, we have we have a guy on our trip, Rocky, who's who brought like the glass jar of peanuts, like the full size one, and he was pretty far into his backpacking career when he did that. And I th- I don't know. That's yeah, that's kind of just who he is. But he I don't think he brings that anymore. So anyway, I've seen the glass jars, but I haven't seen like the little mini ones where you have the different spices and stuff. That's really cool. So yeah, it's not cool. No, no, no. We're trying to tell people it's not cool. <laughs> no, we like these stories. We like people when people learn from their mistakes and then they they move on and then they look back. I mean. I, I look back and I had like, what do you call like a toiletries bag that you put in a suitcase on my backpacking trip on my first one. So there's all sorts of silly things or jeans yeah. or, you know, whatever it is. But um, that's funny. All right. So, okay. Backpacking Magazine has you ranked as the third most famous Ice Age traveler for doing the Ice Age Trail. Do you have any guesses who's ranked ahead of you? Maybe animal is animal on that list. Um, sort of in a roundabout sort of way. <laughs> uh, it says here mammoth and sloth. I think it's referring to the Ice Age movies. So you made the top three. You're the you're the, you're the first human oh. on the list there. Oh oh, Ice Age that type of I think oh <laughs> yeah. I'm just playing off the word Ice Age. <laughs> I see. There's a dude named Animal who did it the year before me. Um, okay. Who actually hiked it the year before me? Oh, I did not know that. This is this is amazing. This is new. You'd be ranked ahead of a guy named Animal. Come on, let's let's be honest here. I know he's pretty. He's pretty cool. He turned out to be a monk, actually. Okay. What well, did he do it in the winter time too? Yeah. Yeah, we're the only two to do it in the winter. Okay. Yeah. The only two ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the two of us. Okay, I don't think I knew that stat. Okay, so yes, yeah, so the reason why we had Emily on is because, well, for a lot of reasons, but she, as, as you just learned, is one of the um, two people that's done the Ice Age Trail in its entirety, so 1,200 miles in the wintertime. And, th- and you did this back in 2020, correct? Yeah, yep, into, okay. 20, yep. into 2021. Okay, yeah. and her story is very well chronicled. She's been on lots of media outlets, and uh, currently Outside Plus has a, like a 30-minute documentary that's the, kind of, yeah, kind of covers... Ooh, the highlights, is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, yeah. yeah, we'll get to that here in a little bit. So, like, what's the backstory to why you wanted to do this and why you want to do this trail in the wintertime? Like, what got you interested specifically in the Ice Age Trail and, like, what made you think to bring a dog as well? Yeah, first, yeah such a good question. Um, I, well, I, you know, like, you get these adventures in your mind and, be doing a thousand miles is like kind of a milestone for the through hiker like your first thousand miles oh, yeah. you're like okay i'm like kind of becoming the real deal um <laughs> and i ha- sure. i happen to get december january and february off from my workplace i'm a gardener okay and there's not much gardening to be done in the winter here um right. so i get laid off for that time of year so that's why i go in the winter time and I was out playing bar league volleyball with a buddy of mine. And I was like, she's, she was one of my resuppliers on several of my trips I've taken. And I was like, I just want to do a thousand miles. And she knew, I don't even know how she knew about the ice age trail, but she cued me onto it. And then it was, that, that was it. That's really the end of the story. I was like, great. I'm going to do it next winter. <laughs> it was just pretty much it. The whole <laughs> Wait, you're like, I just want to do a thousand miles. And she's like, well, I know a trail that's not too far away from here. Yes. And you're like, all right, yeah. sold. Yeah, and I, that was it. I really like it that it's in the Midwest. I always, you know, tell people, you know, I know the West and the East are really cool places and they have really cool trails and whatnot. And the Midwest kind of gets a lot of flack for it. But I mean, right. 1,200 miles is 1,200 miles. Uh, yeah, and going through an entire state kind of wrapping around, like, you know, the way that it has it structured there. 1,200 miles is a stinking long way, especially in the wintertime. And as I was, as I was watching some of the footage, 
you know, they had, it's a mix, right? Like there's some, there's some, there's some roads that were covered in snow and ice, but it looked like you're plowing through some snow, you know, at different points in the trail where it's not just hiking on top of the snow, but it's some arduous going, right? Yeah. Lots of post-tolling happens. Like you, your leg just goes straight through the snow. It's like crusty on top where like my dog could right. walk on it, but I'm too heavy. So I sink through. Yeah. With, yeah. Cause you had, I mean, we have a winter pack. It's a heavier pack for sure. The yeah. way that I, as I was watching the documentary, it, you made it look easy. I'm guessing it wasn't easy. You know, that's like the number one critique we get on that film. Is that right? Okay. That's not an original people, comment. Sorry. People are, well, I think it's so funny. I, because at the, it wasn't, it wasn't terribly difficult. And here's why it, it really became quite a communal. Here's the thing. We also need to remember that it's been a couple of years since I did this trip. And maybe I'm looking at it with right. through rose-colored glasses now. I don't know. Um, For sure. But from what I like remember is that so many people came out to to come meet me, and like to come just like you know experience what I was experiencing. That it wasn't it wasn't too terrible. But yes, there are some parts that Jesse was not there for, and mostly it was because I was wet and cold from from sweating and and then being in my tent at night and right. And that's what you don't want is to get wet and cold especially in the wisconsin winter time so yeah. yeah i imagine if you're like if you're sweating and then you're stopping and then you have to set up camp like that's gonna be miserable right it can be it depends how cold it is outside okay. yeah and how it really it's like how windy is it outside is kind of the real question mm, right but you sorry I'm, i'll circle back because i didn't answer this question diggins my right, dog, diggins, which the is, dog lots of people always have questions about her which is great because i love her so much she's She's kind of, she's a, she's a little bit of a bear, but she's awesome. I, <laughs> um, at the time I was dating somebody who would be watching the house and this, you know, Zulu, my other dog is one that we were kind of raising together. And my partner at the time didn't want to be alone. Totally understandable for two and a half months. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, you have to leave Zulu here with me. You can find your own dog. If you want to go do this, I was like, great. Cause Zulu sucks in the winter anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I posted on a women's mushers site, you know, up here in Minnesota <laughs> and one person okay. responded Okay. and I was like, Hey, anybody have a dog I can borrow for a trip and whatnot <laughs> looking for a husky. And yeah, one person responded was Sherry and I met Diggins and we hit it off right away. Mm-hmm. Did some shakedowns together, did our trip together, said goodbye to her worst day of my life was so miserable when I got back home mm. and about a month and some change later, I was like, can I please keep her? I'll pay you anything. And she's like, yeah, you can keep her. I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Getting back to the, can I borrow a dog question? Is this a common question people have, whether it's in the backpacking community or in the dog musher community? Is this common? It's, I don't think it is in the backpacking community. I have yet to meet another person that's quote unquote borrowed a dog in the backpacking community. (laughs) Um, Mushers will, I, from, from where I have guided, this is, I only have guiding experience. I don't have like racing experience. Okay. Um, but you don't exactly borrow dogs for the winter. You lease them more. So okay. the end of that story is that Diggins ended up with you. You, you made that bond throughout the journey and, and yeah, th- like it was hard to say goodbye. And so you didn't have to say goodbye in the end, right? Diggins is still part of your life. Yeah. She's sleep. She's on the bed right now. It's pretty awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but what made you even think to do that? What made you think, you know what? I'm going to be going out there for 1200 miles. It's a solo trip. I need a dog. 
What was that kind of thought process? It, it, and it wasn't even my idea. There's a co-guide of mine. We guided together uh, sled dog uh, runs in the boundary waters. And she's like, are you bringing a dog with you? And I was like, no, do you have one to borrow? And she's like, no, not really. And she's the one who cued me onto that website. She's like, you should oh, okay. take one with you. You'll be fun. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I wanted to borrow a dog. We've rented llamas before, but that's renting. That's paying. <laughs> a little different. And, yeah, a little different. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if llamas would handle the Wisconsin winter as well as the dog, but it would carry your gear, though. Anyway, okay. So that's truly, yeah. honestly, that's actually a good idea. Next trip, I might just have an alpaca, some yeah. pack animal, maybe. <laughs> yeah. The, the one drop is they can't. I mean, you were putting in some miles. So from what I gathered, it was about 15 to 20 miles a day on average. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I don't think the llamas could do that, especially in the snow. I think they were, at least the ones that we rented, they said, don't go more than eight. And really, yeah, we had, yeah. And we had one guy who overpacked them. So even eight, I think we did five because we had like little kids with us. And then the llamas like sat down on the trail because they were overpacked. They just were stubborn. They're like, we're not going anymore. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I do, I love backpacking with dogs. I've just never, never taken a dog in the wintertime. I imagine that having the dog inside the tent with you would be like a warmth advantage, right? Pros and cons. Totally. She's great okay. in the tent. The biggest con is that she adds so much more moisture to the tent, mm -hmm. but I, with, I think it's Oh, really? With just like the condensation? Oh my gosh. She, yeah. Cause her body is like a million BTUs. I swear. Okay. And all that turns into that. Just, yeah. It's like you have a whole weather system inside your tent. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have guessed that. That is really interesting. And like, no matter I, I have like, currently I have a really, really good, like I have, I run with Hilleberg tents now. Okay. They're, they're polar tent. Mm -hmm. They're fantastic, like top of the line, fantastic tent. And even still her little moisture inside that tent is just like, I practically keep the whole thing unzipped. Cause I'm like, you're too warm. Yeah. I just got to vent it out there. Yeah. Is that okay. That was one of my questions about, about gear that you, that I had just from watching the video. It didn't really feature gear that you had. It was a couple things I picked up on, but the tent, I don't know if that was a Hilleberg tent that you had back in the day, but it looked like, a Sierra designs tent, like an, like almost like a 1990s style Sierra designs tent. Am I off base here? You are so close. 1989. What? Are you serious? Yeah. 1989 okay. Sierra clip flashlight. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. I think that was one of my first tents, not back in 1989. Okay. How in the world is that thing still like functional? Like the interior, you know, whatever the rain fly that the waterproofing on that had to be peeling off or whatever. How is that thing working? I, so it's, it's a former boss. My former boss, uh, let me, another thing I borrowed and ended up keeping. Okay. Um, it's, I, I ran out of money is what happened. And okay. I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford anything else. I couldn't afford to buy another tent. All right. And I just, I, again, I was like, she's like, this is a great tent. It's still super functional. And she's kind of one of those gearheads that like takes really good care of their stuff. Yeah. 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 And it was in mint condition. I think okay. I, I was the first person to put a little hole in it. I think okay. I, I, I got, I covered it with gear tape and it was perfect. Yeah. Well, a little hole after 1200 miles, I think is reasonable. But yeah, I mean, in in the winter time, it's not you're not really worried about, um, like rain. You know, you just need the snow to slough off the outside. And the shape of that tent is mm -hmm. really good. It's a really good. There's a lot of room in it. You can sit mm -hmm. up really well in it. Like I, Sierra Designs already knows that I love it. I, we, I'm okay. like this is never. I hope you bring back this shape of a tent. You know, they have the new versions, but right. they knew what they were doing. Wait a minute, that's not. 
I don't think that's a four season tent. Is that's that's like a three season with like a lot of mesh, correct? Uh, it is a three season tent. Yes. Um, okay. It does not have a whole lot of mesh. The walls are right. whatever it's whatever rain fly fabric is is pretty much the whole thing. There's two zippers where you can okay. have a mesh door though, and this is my this is my tiny soapbox about how you don't need the best and the fast and the furiously great gear to go do a fun expedition. No, for sure. Yeah. We just, yeah. Whatever you have grab and go. I think that's really, it's more impressive that you did it with that tent really, because if you said, well, you know, like Carl, you're going to go in the wintertime, you're going to go in Wisconsin and you know, the Midwest cold is a different kind of cold than here in Colorado. You can bring a tent like Sierra Designs clip flashlight would not be like near the top of my list. So the fact that that worked out for you is super impressive. Yeah. So that was actually one. Okay. So that was one piece of gear that I noticed. And then they, I think I figured this, this story out, but I'm not totally sure. There was a scene where you're hiking around. It looks like you're legit hiking. Like you are putting in the miles and you got your backpack and you got Diggins. And then over your shoulder is like a green canvas grocery bag. Yeah. It looked like you're hiking with a grocery bag. What's going on there? <laughs> uh, yes. Somebody had left me a bag of a trail magic. Okay. And so I it was it was I had to kind of get to a road before I could stash it. I was by a river there. And I had to get to a road okay. before I could stash it. And that's what it is. So you hiked with it slung over your shoulder. Just for a it wasn't very long. It was like maybe a hundred meters. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's the yeah. next level stuff. You got a lot going on there and the, the canvas bag. I was like, ah, I don't yeah, know that's I like the scene that. I get stuck on a tree. Yeah. 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 Kind yeah. Of funny scene. I was like yeah. stuck on a tree canvas bag. I have know. to ask about that. So, okay. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> question. Yeah. You had a lot of trail. It shows some of that, the trail magic, the stuff that people were leaving for you. And yeah, I, th- I thought I was like, is that, I was trying to figure out if one of those was the canvas bag and how that worked. But anyway, I was like, I don't know if that's like your style. So I had to ask, but yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So I had another question because we're getting like bits and pieces of your journey as we've kind of already alluded to with this documentary, but there's the docket, like the hike itself kind of frames a different story. If I'm understanding this correctly. So what would you say the story is really about at least how it's presented. It's kind of a, a way that I decided to show up amongst a lot of civil unrest that we were experiencing in Minnesota is, you know, between COVID-19 and all Mm, we had, I mean, we always have people of color being murdered here, but it was like day after day, it was kind of ridiculous here. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much civil unrest in Minneapolis and the way that I show up, especially kind of um, social justly or politically, is rarely, rarely with my voice. Um, I always say mm-hmm. that my sister and I differ so much. She's so good at showing up and presenting herself, you know, at protests and all these things and being public. And this story was the way that I could show up and continue on in a social justice movement, in a racial justice movement, in a way that I knew I could be authentic. I think that... Um, James Mills in the film, he alludes to, or I think maybe even says that this is one of the final frontiers of racial equality, you know, having people of color in the outdoors, right? And having it be equal in the outdoors and having it be equitable. That's kind of where I feel like I fit in this is, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm quite a normal person as far as, you know, I still have a nine to five job. You know, I still have to pay my bills. I have student loans just like everybody else. 
I still find myself in these spaces mm-hmm. and feel really comfortable in these spaces and not mm-hmm. all or maybe not even very many people of color do. And so it's kind of this melange of like the Ice Age Trail, the story about me and the story about, you know, the history of people of right. color in the outdoors as well. So it's kind of, it's when I look back, I'm like, there's so much going on in this film in 30 minutes, you know? Right. Oh, there's a lot going on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, so then if I'm getting you correctly, like you're trying to bridge the gap between, I guess, or or trying to help make that final frontier sort of achievable for people of color to try to, yeah, to show them that this is a frontier that is something that they can embark upon. Is that fair to say? You know, remind, and, and also, yeah, just showing up and being another face and just representation is so unbelievably huge. Mm-hmm. unbelievably huge and you know even if i if you, even if i didn't speak at all during that film just being a person of color in the outdoors i think is a huge thing i know it's a huge thing so yeah so what's the feedback you've gotten have you i mean in the film it shows sort of that immediate feedback as you're finishing but as this you know the film's been out there for a little bit what other like have you had people you know message you on instagram or write you notes or, or what what do you what have you seen happen as a result of this yeah, I, I, especially in the beginning, you know, in 20, 2021, I get a lot of, you know, no, really kind notes and letters and whatnot from parents that have little kids of color um, mm-hmm. and just, you know, helping them feel, reminding parents the importance of getting your kids out, especially if you have little kids of color, especially if you're a white parent. You know, my mom is white and, you know, the importance of bringing your kids of color into the outdoor spaces. So that's one of them. And then I get to go speak, mm-hmm. you know, I go speak around um, to to classrooms and hang out with these little kids right. and they're so funny and then hang out with college students. I speak at a lot of colleges um, and just knowing that, you know, college students can kind of be a little shy, but you can see the spark happening. I'm just like, oh, I, I always like okay. to ask the crowd, like, you know, what is like, what's on your dream list? Not really a bucket list, but like what seems mm-hmm. too big to achieve? Like, what do you, kind of too scared to achieve, but you want to do it anyway. And reminding that, you know, it's very possible no matter how impossible it seems. Right. But you're also introducing that to them, right? Because sometimes, you know, hiking 1200 miles through Wisconsin is not on their bucket list or something that they would even consider doing, but then they see you doing it and suddenly they're inspired and they say, well, I don't know if that's the trail I want to do. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but now I have something that I want to do. I have something to work towards and they were never exposed to it, but because of the interaction with you, now they were, have you had that reaction? Maybe not to the, maybe not to the ice age trail specifically, Okay. but I think to tripping in general, to like long form through hiking in Mm -hmm. general. Gotcha. And spark. I think the biggest thing that sparks a lot of people's minds is doing it alone. Mm -hmm. I think lots of people are really conscientious especially the upcoming generations are kind of a little bit more scared to be alone i've found than i'm scared gen- to be alone i'll be honest <laughs> my, my generation and, and i'm a millennial and you know generations that come before me um mm. and so just introducing them to this idea of like you you don't need anybody to go do these things of course i always preface this with all of my solo adventures are such a communal effort from to get me out there oh yeah but, for sure. but the action of doing it can totally be done on your own Mm-hmm. you know and kind of trying to light that fire in them too of just like if nobody that's how you were asking me how did i get into backpacking backpacking i did move mm-hmm. to duluth 
but I got into solo backpacking because I was a little too scared to ask anybody to go with me. And I was new to, I was new to this town and I love Duluth, but as a lot of people find in some outdoor spaces, it's hard to break through like these clicks of outdoor people. So I was like, I guess I'm going by myself. (laughs) And uh, I just like to empower that, especially in college age students who just like be smart about how you go by yourself, but yeah, don't wait for other people. Don't wait up for other people to pursue your dreams. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's two steps from zero is to go by yourself going with somebody else and you know especially somebody who might be have gone before there's a little more comfort there especially you know you're sharing a tent all those crazy sounds that you hear outside you know like there's some comfort in company there so going from zero to going by yourself i get that it's hard to find people i totally understand that but i I think that's a bigger step so that's really impressive that you're able to make that what did the video not tell us? We already kind of alluded to the fact, or you did, that people are taking away that it looked easy, but what were some of the behind-the-scenes challenges or stories that didn't come out? I think there's two. So on like the positive side, one thing that Jesse really missed was literally all these trail, trail angels that I met, and that found me. Um, you know, really took me in and, and fed me and, and let me shower at their place. You know, he, I, he, it just didn't mm-hmm. work out to where I would be meeting a trail angel. And there were tons, you know, well, that was the thing about doing the solo, I guess as a podcast and putting air quotes around the word solo, um, <laughs> right. uh, that it was such a communal effort. Um, and I, d- mm-hmm. when I was planning for the trip, so I was prepping for food and, and all this stuff, my plan was to, for both Diggins and myself was to, throw down enough calories every day as if I were never going to see anybody and never see a gas station. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of a highlight that he missed low lights that he missed was just literally the, the day after it's hard to, it's hard to articulate in a film without it being boring, how boring hiking can be. (laughs) There Mm -hmm. was like the grind, the grind. There was this, stopped at an elementary school and chatted with these kids on that trip mm-hmm. and this like I don't know, this kid must have been like in fourth grade maybe third grade he comes up to me and he's just like looking up to me and he's like do you ever get bored while you're hiking and i was like every day <laughs> every day of my life i get bored mm-hmm. on the ship in this white winter wonderland it looks the same no matter mm-hmm. where you go i'm like totally right and that's like right. the low and it, it's hard to articulate that in a film right because like how, you know, there's this mental aspect, you know, like you see a film about people climbing Everest, you know, and like, oh, the oxygen and the winds and like, you know, you can, you can portray that really well in a film, but like, how do you portray the inside of someone's mind on a film without it being so boring? That's true. Um, yeah, for me, it would be the waking up each morning. You know, if, if you have terrain ahead that feels like the terrain behind, you're like, all right. Here we go again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know how you capture Yeah. Your question is how do you catch that in a film? That's tough. That yeah. is, that's for sure. That's tough. Or what, what's going on? I mean, it's hard to capture what's going on in your mind if, if you're going solo, right? I mean, you're, t- you're talking to Diggins a little bit here and there, but he's not talking back to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. That, but it's funny you mentioned the highlights was it, was it were gas station stops to kind of resupply too. Cause 
I value the gas stations. So oh, I, yeah. I have this like state by state ranking of the best gas stations with the convenience stores and, and gas stations to avoid, which states have good ones and which states don't. And so right now, California is like low on my list of gas stations. Just saying. The Midwest is a good place is some good gas stations. Yeah. <laughs> That's good like to know. Grocery for stores sure. over here. Yeah. We were driving through Wyoming after a trip one time and they had like massage chairs in their gas station. <laughs> what? And, yeah. I think it was for the truckers and they had the showers and all that stuff too. But oh, yeah. that, that's, that's next level right there. Oh yeah. It's amazing. But yes. Yeah, so, okay. Getting, circling back to, I was just thinking through one of the things you're saying about being alone and how you were willing to take that step. So have you ever watched that show alone? Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Okay. The survival yeah. show. How many days do you think you could survive on that, on that kind of show? I would love to do it one day. I think I probably will do it one day. So what, but what's, what? Uh, give me like a, like, could you, could you, are you like a contender? Like, would you go the duration you think? Like assuming you have the survival skills. If I had the survival skills. Yeah, I think I would. I think I'd really? be fine. Okay. Especially, especially my stipulation for this has always been if they, if I ever made it on the show, I would demand a winter uh, oh, right. spot. If they put me right. somewhere tropical, I'd kind of be toast. I wouldn't be no. very good at that. No, they wouldn't. They don't do that. They they want you to be at least at the very end of summer, fall, whatever, so that the food runs out, so the show doesn't go on forever. True. Otherwise, people yeah. would be thriving in that tropical zone. At least that's how they've done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I think I could do like a day, and then because you have the camera there, I would feel obligated to do another day. But I I like community, so that would be hard for yeah. me. I um, think I'm such a putzer. Like I love like putzing around the house and like building stuff and tinkering and whatnot i'd probably like i'd probably start like documenting the trees and like counting the species of trees around my house or something like that you know i would like i would find some like weird science project to do while i was waiting to be done right and that keeping your mind active i think is is big time for that show yeah but um yeah there what made me think of that too was there's a moment in the documentary where you i think it was like a montage section where you end up like getting a hug from somebody. I don't know if that was somebody new or as a stranger. And I just thought if I'm, you know, 1200 miles by myself, I'm not crossing that many towns or people like that hug would be so meaningful to me. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny because a hug from a stranger is, is really nice in those instances mm-hmm. when you're not seeing people. And I've experienced right. this before. I, when I've been traveling out, but like a hug from somebody that you know, or like somebody repeatedly is even a bigger deal. Because mm. like when you meet these people, it's like you're here today, gone tomorrow. It's kind of like, it's not a meaningless right. relationship, but when you get to repeat, see people and like your family and whatnot, those are the ones where you're like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Especially, yeah. And for me that it would be the person who's like on the journey with me and going through the, the struggles and the travels together. Yeah. But still, if I hadn't seen somebody for a long time, I'd be like, I, you want to give me a hug? I don't know who you are. I don't even know your name. Yeah. I would love yeah. a hug. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Human touch is so, a huge thing. Okay. And speaking of that, you get to the end of the trail and I'm guessing it was announced on social media or, or basically it was communicated somehow or people knew about when you were going to be finishing. And so as you approach the end, there's, there's quite the crowd that gathers to kind of like, you know, reel you in and celebrate your finish. I was thinking about that and I thought I would have some mixed emotions about having a bunch of strangers at the end of the trail for me because I'd be so wiped out. What was, what were you thinking as you were finishing there with like a bunch of people? It was extremely intentional. So they were, it was, 
in that county, it'd be the only county that I didn't really invite to see me. Um, okay. You know, once I started going, all these different counties would show up. That's kind of how they mark the trail over here is by county. Mm-hmm. And um, so I threw it out there. It was my idea. I was like, you okay. know what? If you want to show up, you know, all these people had, you know, shown up all the way on the trail and as let's party, let's celebrate because after this mm-hmm. I can go home and hide. <laughs> I have, I have <laughs> enough energy for this one last. Hurrah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was good. It was really, it was, it was good. It was helpful for me to like better understand perhaps the impact. Okay. Yeah. Knowing that it was intentional makes makes more sense to me because for me, if I like round the corner know, right? to God. a major finish, I'm like, oh, just turn back around. Hi, everybody. And then you know you're tired, and then they're like, speech, speech, speech. And you're like, I don't. I just want to go get like a hamburger somewhere, and so <laughs> that would be awkward for me. But obviously, you had a plan, and so you kind of knew what to expect and like how to handle that. So that's way way different than what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. At the beginning, we talked about the Banff Film Festival and kind of, yeah, you've, you haven't stopped adventuring. And so people that want to seek out the Banff Film Festival or want to watch more of your adventures. So can you tell us again, so what's the what's the uh, film that's currently out and, and what's the main, like what's it all about basically? Yeah, the one that just came out is called A Voice for the Wild. Okay. Diggins, my dog, and I, we skied across the Bouchwaters Wilderness Canoe Area. Okay. About 180 miles for us in the winter. It is mm. extremely remote. It's way more remote than the Ice Age Trail will ever be. Okay. Um, it's a space that's protected, so no no motors, no buildings. Okay. Um, and it's really about keeping that space protected. It's such a rich land that people want to mine really close in to it and okay. in the watershed. So there's lots of groups fighting to keep that um, protected, a protected wilderness. So. Okay. A little bit of a story about me and Diggins. A little bit of a story about protecting the wilderness and every everything else like that. A little bit of everything there too. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm excited to check that out for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, any any other f- future adventures you got coming up for this winter? This winter, I will be Diggins and I will be in Alaska. Um, I'll be handling for a kennel there. I, there's somebody that wants to run Iditarod next year or the year after, so she has her qualifiers. I'll be handling for her and her trips. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, it'll be really fun. We'll yeah. get Diggins on a couple teams just to kind of poke around a little bit. Yeah. And then next winter, I'm hoping to kind of start my journey on the Appalachian Trail and kind of start the big three journey. There. Wow. Okay. All right. So See, you are, yeah, you're you're overcoming obstacles and bucket list items and adding more and achieving bigger and bigger things. This is, you got quite the impressive resume already. It sounds like you're just continuing to build upon that. That is amazing. And in the winter, no less. Wow. So if people that want to, aside from the, you know, we already mentioned outside plus has your current documentary, where else can they find you or how can they keep track of all these things you got going on? Yeah, you can, my, the place I keep the most up to date on is on Instagram. You can finally find me at Emily on trail, which is, I think where you found me. Um, if you are kind of old school, I'm really bad at this, but I do have a website, emilyontrail.com. Okay. Which I should probably keep on, keep on, keeping on up with that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. If you ever need to find me, you just throw down Emily on Trail and something will pop up. All right. So I'll have that in the show description, uh, both on YouTube and then down below here 
in Sweet. our show notes. So you can check it out and click on it and, and follow her as a lot of people are doing and seeing what she's up to and hopefully get inspired by all these amazing adventures. Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for taking the time to, to run down all this fun stuff. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Man, that was awesome. Emily, thank you so much for joining the show. I really enjoyed the, the talk with you and uh, hopefully there were some takeaways from some folks out there. So we're rooting for you and your future adventures, but Jesse, let's talk about what we just discussed in the interview. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I just want to say, I mean, my big takeaway is mason jars. That's <laughs> right. That's that's coming with me every trip. I'm going to try to sneak a couple mason jars into your backpack right. on the next trip. Right. Yeah. It's so, so funny because, you know, you get the professional or the really experienced backpackers and they come across yeah. like, I know, you know, what to do. I've got everything dialed in. And it's just so fun to hear the humility of what people share about their early trips where they're bringing just ridiculous things like that. Because, you know, everybody's had that, whether you're willing to admit it or not, right? Yeah. What was yours? Your travel kit? Your, uh, your Yeah, travel, like the little, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Like toiletries bag that you have in your suitcase? That was mine. Listen, Carl, I've never, I've never done anything like ridiculous like that. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> Please see last episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the mason jars were the great. Journey. I like that you just jumped in. I was ready to, to hit some clarifications to make sure we understood parts of the interview. And you're just like, let's talk about mason jars. Nice. That's what I wanted to talk about. But I, okay. honestly, you should probably clarify whatever you need to clarify. I need to clarify something because she referenced Jesse. Like, she mentioned oh, the, yeah. the name Jesse a couple times in the interview. Was she talking about you? Uh, I know, a little bit confusing. Great name. Great name, whoever this guy <laughs> is. Mad respect. Probably an awesome mm -hmm. man. Just really good. But no, not me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was her producer, I believe. Is yeah. who she's referencing kind of like the, you know, the film, like the, he had to film her and that whole process in bits and pieces. Because he came, it sounded like he was there for certain bits and pieces to film the actual trail, which is also really cool. I, uh, I wish mm -hmm. I had that on my trail. Somebody just hiking in and being like, it's now, like now we're filming you. We got a drone doing, you know, all this and that. Hey man, that'd be awesome. But I mean, that that's why she was able to capture the story that she did and, and put together doc, the documentary. Like, I mean, right. that kind of level, right? When you got somebody there, I mean, props to her and props to Jesse for making that happen, mm -hmm. right? Telling that story. Right. I also, another clarification is, is clearly as I'm talking to her, I did not do sufficient homework. I kind of accused you of not doing <laughs> your homework in general. And then I'm like, oh, wait, you, you're in the BAMP Film Festival too? Oh, like I should have known that since you're the guest on our show. So yeah, I didn't do my complete homework. I had just simply seen her documentary on the, you know, the, the Breaking Trail one on Outside Plus. And so that's kind of what where I was going with that. Most people that have, that are featured in the documentary don't typically get like two or three. So that actually surprised me. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Like she had just, like literally she said she had just come back from the film festival. So, I mean, okay, you didn't do your right. homework, but it was kind of like fresh. So, you know, we'll okay. give you a pass this time, Carl. You give me a pass. Okay. Yeah. As the guest host, I'll give you uh, the main chief host a, a pass this time. <laughs> chief host. Okay. <laughs> chief host, honcho, that's how it okay. goes. Derek's the chief, the honcho. You're the chief host. Okay. <laughs> However you <laughs> want to take it. So, all right. Those are my clarifications. I did have the mason jars, the gear regrets, I think I called it, on the on my list. You, you hit those. What else? What other takeaways do you have? I think it was really cool, just the idea of hiking with a dog. I mean, as much as we talked about the idea of being alone, um, but being able to see mm. the interactions of, of dog right. and human relationship. And um, one of the things she said about that, though, which I thought, was crazy because I have some friends who have 
who backpacked with dogs and whatnot, but just the idea of the heat from the dog in the tent and how that she mm-hmm. was like, Oh, you know, it's, there's some good things and some bad things. And you kind of think like, what would be right. bad? And then for her to be like, Oh, this hot, sweaty, <laughs> sweaty. <laughs> well, whatever, like <laughs> perspiring, humidifying dog <laughs> condense. Exactly. And so that blew my mind. I was like, man, I never would have even thought about right. that. Right. What about you? Yeah, like we, I've backpacked with a dog and that has not been an issue at all. Like, I don't even think I noticed. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm in Colorado. It's drier here. In the middle of winter, though. Winter, I think, would change that. Winter changes it. The fact that they're, you know, that it's Wisconsin, it's a lot more humid there. So there's a lot of other factors. So maybe I'm just not knowledgeable on that. But yeah, I think that that was, um, that was a fun note for sure. Uh, Yeah, definitely something to to think about when backpacking with a dog. So, okay. So I had that. What about you? What stood out to you? Yeah, another thing was, so in watching the video, you know, we kind of touched on this in the interview a little bit. Like, there's just some things that I just wanted to know more about. Hmm. I'm not super, I mean, you're more experienced backpacking learner than I am, but just some of the struggles that she had. Mm-hmm. To her, she kind of shared, like, her struggle was just to keep going because it felt monotonous at times and the kind of the repetition. But they even showed, like, video clips where she has a Nalgene bottle and it's frozen solid. And so mm-hmm. I want to know... Like, you know, how, how did she handle that? Like, you know, I want to see that on camera. Well, as somebody who has experienced not only hiking alone, but also recording my biggest mistakes and then like putting them out for the public mm-hmm. viewing, it's not easy to do. And uh, just recently, obviously with the GDT series, you know, it's amazing the comments that I get. People have already been like, oh, you weren't nearly experienced enough to even take on this challenge. So when you, so sometimes, and, and there's another reality, which is when you're hiking solo and you come up with a problem, you're mm-hmm especially in the winter, because like back winter backpacking is next to survive survival, right? So when you have a problem, your first right. issue is not like, oh, let's pull out the camera and film me solving this issue. It's solve mm-hmm. the issue, fix it. And so, uh, yeah, but that's pretty crazy. But it's true. It's sure. like, that's that's your style because you're filming yourself. But she had a crew there that literally filmed her with that frozen water bottle. So they could have easily filmed a solution to that as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I got nothing. Yeah. The other reaction I had is, is to what you just said, though, because we have a segment at the very end that I like to call tidbits, where I said, you're going to get the opportunity to share about your video series. And I think you approach this reaction. How yes. many times can I work in my video series name drop exactly. while we're talking about exactly. this? This is just yeah? full on. I'm taking over <laughs> this as a promotional material. No, but okay. But but again, That's I'm right. speaking from experience. Like you don't know how many comments I'm getting on my yeah. phone on a daily basis of people like mocking me <laughs> or making comments about, hey, you showed yourself making mistake. And so at, the, at right. the same time, I also understand where it's like, it's not always easy to actually show the mistakes you made and how you overcame them. Um, and sometimes that just, sometimes right. that doesn't actually add to the story. So I, I don't know exactly uh, her perspective. Oh, I think it does. People love seeing the mistakes. They love seeing people mess up. The prideful people want to see you mess up and be like, yeah, I could do better than that guy. And but that's exa- exactly, they like it for the wrong reason. And, mm-hmm. and that's not the reason she was making this whole, like there was a reason behind mm-hmm. her producing this. And you don't necessarily want a bunch of haters being like, oh yeah, look at her. She doesn't even know what she's doing. True, um, true. And you get that. Like you just get tons of that. That's so true. I, I can kind of relate with, with why maybe those things didn't make it. Like I said, sometimes they're just not that interesting. Maybe she had a frozen Nalgene and her camera crew guy was like, oh, here, 
I've got a not frozen now gene. And they just swapped it out. Like, who knows, That's right? cheating. You're, you're accusing her of cheating now. She's not on alone. This isn't a like um, reality TV show, oh Carl. Oh my gosh. You know what's funny about that is, yeah, we're, we're planning our big uh, repeat pass journey for next summer. And, and we're going to have like a helper crew hanging out, but they're not going to be allowed to do that. Like if they help, then it, beca- oh. it goes from like unsupported to supported immediately. They, they, they filter yeah. water, they hand us a water bottle, they give us a bandaid, whatever. And so I guess I'm probably more sensitive to that kind of thing than your average person because I want, yeah, the, the challenge is the unsupported. And so, yeah. Yeah. But okay. Well, let me ask you this question. So you, if you have like a full Nalgene bottle that froze solid that you need to use and it's in the wintertime, What's the strategy for thawing that thing out? When did it freeze? Like early day, late day. I, she had it frozen at nighttime. I don't know what time it was. See, that's the thing. So nighttime, my on a, my thought is just leave it in my, I, I probably put it in my sleeping bag mm, with me. That's cozy. Um, or buy that hot dog. Yeah, it wouldn't be very pleasant, but it would thaw. Um, <laughs> or buy the hot the, dog. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> thaw this sucker. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, what other options do you have? Like you got, I don't know your experience. Well, that's what I'm saying. Melt some, melt some snow in your pot, put the Nalgene in the pot, let the hot water boil around the Nalgene. Mm -hmm. So it like creates a double boiler and slowly melts the water. But I mean, you're going to use so much fuel uh, trying to do that. So I think your best bet, if, if you're limited on fuel is your best bet is to warm it up naturally with your body. And that's the best time to do that. It's going to be at night. I mean, you'll have a really cold night that night, but uh, you'll have a melted bottle the next day. I still don't think it's going to be melted like that. You know, like that's thick. It's like a thick ice cube right there. So I was thinking more just like boiling the water and pouring it into the top and letting that kind of just melt down as you go. And if you're, if you got a lot of, if you don't have a lot of fuel, you could just, you know, build a fire and do that. And then just put your pot in the fire and just, yeah, go that way. That's what I was thinking. But no, I actually really like the idea of building a fire. And like, I'm almost tempted to say, just put the whole Nalgene in, in the fire. Cause like supposedly like, it actually won't melt or burn the Nalgene. Cause you can do that mm. with styrofoam. I don't know if you've ever seen that science experiment. You can put like a styrofoam cup, fill it with water and put it in the fire and wherever the water is, it won't actually melt. But obviously you get a sooty, messy Nalgene bottle. And I don't know if you'd want to risk that. Mm. Um, but the issue with pouring hot boiling water on the thing is as soon as boiling right. water touches cold water, it's it, it, obviously it's no longer boiling. It's actually cools off very fast. So the amount of boiling water you'd need to do that would be, you'd have to constantly be pouring. Whereas if you mm. put it in a pot of boiling water, you can just keep that boiling water boiling and it will slowly melt the, the cold water. Uh, if you throw the analogy into the fire though, the cap is going to burn off. Like everybody's had the cap get melted in their, you know, dishwashing machine. So yeah. that will melt for sure. You can take oh, the cap off, I guess, that, Yeah, Nalgene's are just the worst. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, anyway. They are the, the worst. Dishwasher. They are. Yeah. The, man, I just hate Nalgene bottles. They are the absolute. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So that, okay, what, what, what else on your list? Other takeaway. Uh, so you had mentioned the idea of like hiking alone and, and some of that experience. But um, I just love the idea that you talked about the boredom on the trail. And, really? I was going to ask you about that. So you're, oh, yeah. you get bored too. Yes, that like even yeah. I mean, I imagine even more so in the winter time in Wisconsin. I mean, mm-hmm. can you? I can't even imagine. But right. uh, um, but yeah, no, it's true. Like you just go through these seasons where or these like hours, and it's not every day, all day. These moments where you're just like, wow, this is amazing. But you have a mm. stretch where you're like, I'm going through a, a forest for the next eight hours, and I've got to get from A to B, and you just hike, and mm-hmm. yeah, you can get bored. 
And so, you know, that's when you pull out your earbuds, plug them in and listen to a backpacking and blisters podcast. Yes. There's another drop right there. Yeah. There we go. Do you actually, I know, I actually can tell you the last time I was really bored on a backpacking trip. Was Derek talking? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, Derek's interesting. Um, no, it was the last time I went solo, <laughs> Oh, yeah, which is go. forever ago because I, I feel like, yeah, the different folks we bring on backpacking trips are very engaging. And if I am kind of, you know, peeling away and going by myself, like I'm soaking that in too. So I, I can't remember the last time I was like, this is boring. I don't think I've had that thought in forever. I was Whatever. thinking about that as I was listening to the podcast or episode, I was thinking about the fact that you probably don't experience that because right. you're with people all the time. Right. Well, I'm not, yeah, not all the time. Well, just your conversational approach. Like you love talking on the trail and yeah, obviously you go off by yourself for stretches, but like you said, you're going off for a stretch for alone time for a purpose rather than being alone, not really wanting to be alone, but having to get from one point to the next point and just being like, okay, I just got to do this. Yeah. I will say that the, the other side, like the dark side of that is the key is what you said, conversational. Like there's, there's back and forth, right? Yeah. Every once in a while, you'll come across somebody who is just talking at you and they can just go. And I've had that a few times on some trips where I have to, you know, Derek and I've talked about this a little bit where I've got to pull over and go to, and do like a fake go to the bathroom just to kind of like break away from the person. And <laughs> there's just some people that can just, you know, you know who they are. They're in your life. Like they can talk for 30 minutes, an hour straight. Right. I've been that person before. I legit have been that person before. I had this whole hike and sometimes it's just communication style, right? This one individual that I went up for a, a just a day hike, but his communication style is like question, answer. Then you ask the other person a question, they answer, they ask you a question. And for me growing <laughs> up in a family where we all have ADHD, I'm pretty sure it's just like, just back and forth. Right. And so right. he kept asking me questions and so I would just keep answering and then kind of waiting. And I'm waiting for him to say something like, why doesn't he ever say anything? Like he just right. always asks me another question. And then right. it wasn't until later that uh, one of his family members actually made a comment to me about how he felt like I just talked the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only because I understood the family a little bit later because I actually dated somebody in that family. And so I mm. found out that that's, that's how they approach things. And I was like, oh, yeah, so conversations got to turn it around, ask the other person a question. So with that being said- No, no, oh, no, 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 no. No, that's not a family oh. thing. That's just like, like social skills right there, Jesse. So if somebody's asking you a question and you're just talking about yourself the whole time, you got you got to turn the tables. You got to ask them. You got to show some interest, my friend. Well, okay, it, sure. And I have my own issues with that being antisocial. There's no <laughs> denying that. But um, but like I said, you some like I would I would be doing what I think were cues to be like. Here's your opportunity to jump in or or say something like, yeah, you know, isn't isn't that the way that it is, man? You know, and to me, that's a conversational <laughs> cue for somebody to be like, oh, no, I don't really think it is. Or I think it is. or da, 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 yeah. And then they share their story. Um, but mm. for him, he's waiting for me to be like, so what about you? Do you think right. that such and such is this? And he's yeah. a great guy. And he was actually like, like totally gracious. And it wasn't so much him that was bad mouthing me but it was it was just the con context of a situation who is like yeah yeah just just talked a lot in that entire hike that we did and and right. i looked back and realized yeah i didn't ask him enough questions and so well I, as as somebody can be victimized by that kind of person i'm just very sensitive to it so we've got some folks like that at work and once i identify that they're that kind of person i typically like do not i just like hide from them i don't allow that to happen so and that kind of is style. why I'll never be a guest host on the podcast again, I guess. 
<laughs> the irony of that statement right, right there. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. Um, <laughs> nice seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, but what about you? What what was the other? See, you said you just said you asked me. That's correct, man. Way to go. Way to go. All okay. right. So let's see. I'm looking at my list right here. One thing that she mentioned that I it still kind of like blows my mind a little bit is the fact that Diggins was not her dog and that she literally borrowed a dog at the time. Oh, yeah. And so. I guess I wouldn't even think to do that. I wouldn't think to, you know, even if somebody suggested that to me, I'd be like, that's not a thing. What do you have a reaction like borrowing a dog? I think I think the way she handled it was brilliant because you're right. I think it's the weirdest thing. And I can't imagine yeah. anyone that I know ever just lending their dog to do a like, sorry, I almost said it in Canadian, 2000 kilometers, but a 1200 mile winter hike. But right. she didn't just ask anyone. She asked uh, like mush dogs, like a dog sledding team. That makes yeah, but it's a group. She, it's like it's like a chat room for for dog mushers. But I could imagine somebody in that community saying, "Yeah, sure, I'll I'll lend my." It makes way more sense in my opinion. Okay, so by the same token, then I'm wondering if there's any sort of you know groups out there where people want to borrow cats because I would lend mine out in a heartbeat. Just saying. Yeah. Well. I would never want your cat. So you have to find that group yourself. <laughs> I know. I know. Not, this is, this is, you're not the eyes. You're not the, the, the you know, target audience for that. And that's okay. There's probably like a, a cat ladies anonymous group on Facebook. <laughs> okay. And if you yeah. went there and said, Hey, I have a cat. Does anybody want to borrow it? For You may never see your cat again, yeah. but I'm sure they way to be it. gender specific on that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe <laughs> cat people's it's anonymous. A thing. My daughter's a future cat lady because she just loves cats and could have five of them. If she wanted to, like she, she I told her that she's hey. like, that's correct. I would love to have five cats when I'm older if I'm allowed to. So yeah. I have a friend who's a, he's a guy and he's, so he's a cat guy. Mm. He, he would probably have five cats if he could, right. but that's how it goes. Fortunately, doesn't. Yeah. The last thing that I had, and then I'll swing it over to you is that she said it could be hard to break into outdoor groups. And for her, it was way more comfortable go, to go by herself. Yeah. Like you're a pretty confident guy, but you've also interacted with a lot of different backpacking folks out there through your YouTube channel, backcountry forward. You're welcome. <laughs> What's, like, do you agree with the statement or, or where are you at with that? I do think there's a significant difference between how men experience uh, stepping out into new groups than women. And that's something that I've talked to other girls in the, in the hiking and backpacking because it's just totally different. Uh, they have to, you know, make sure that things are different and safe. And, and there is, there can be these different clicks that kind of cre get created locally um, I think it's like props to her for going solo. Like that's actually one of the things I want to like, she just, Hey, I don't know anybody out here. I've like tried, she said she had mm. tried a few things and just nothing worked out. She says, well, I'll just do it by myself. And I think that's wild. I think most people just get to the point where she was and then said, mm. well, I guess I can't go. Um, and so props to her for just saying, I'm, I'm going to get out there. And, and I do think uh, it's hard to get to know people. And so that's where I like, I don't know about REI, but like MEC up here in um, Canada has like co-op mm. groups where they'll do like a weekend trip or uh, even a day trip. And I think those are the opportunities where you go off with some sort of organization, mm -hmm. um, some sort of club, because then it's organized and you can hopefully get to know some people and then you go off right, right. one on one or two within a group of three or something. And so that's, that would be my suggestion to anybody listening to this who might be in a similar place as yeah. Emily was. But at the same time, like, hey, 
awesome. Get out there and go, even if it's you by yourself. Just go, man. Just go, woman. Yeah, for sure. Um, REI does do those trips, by the way, but they cost, and they cost quite a bit of money. I mean, guided trips, you're talking over a thousand bucks minimum, a lot of times $1,300, $1,500. Even day hikes? Because like day hiking is a great way to start to meet other people. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, not the day hikes. There's definitely, yeah, local. There's just different places yeah. that do that. But there's actually some podcasts out there, like, oh. like our podcast that does patreon trips which are i mean you got to get you got to get there but in terms of like cost to do the trip outside of the travel it's super cheap so was there anything else on your list that you had yeah actually just perfect segue speaking of like barriers like one of the things that i really appreciated and that she brought up was the the whole idea of of diversity within the outdoor community and how that was one of the things she wanted was to show that like hey uh here I am, I'm showing up. She just kept saying that phrase, which I really like. She's like, I just showed up and I showed up mm -hmm. to do this and to show that I can. And I just think that's really cool because I think um, I've, I have had friends who have actually been immigrants who have come here and they've literally asked me, like, I don't know how to go backpacking or how to go camping. Can you give me hints? Um, tips because it's something that's... <laughs> Can you give me hints? Do you have a YouTube channel <laughs> or something? Well, honestly, it's actually something I do want to actually feature on the YouTube channel at some point is, is because for some people, it is a foreign concept for them. And even beyond that, like I remember as weird as it is, but I remember talking with my friend the first time I was on a trail, a backpacking trail, and I saw this African Canadian guy, or I guess actually he was African American because he was from the States and um, this Arab gentleman coming up the trail. And we ended up talking and we had, we spent the night at the camp and we all got to know each other. And, and it was awesome. And, and even the African-American guy was like, I haven't seen another black guy out here since getting here a week ago. I've been on trails everywhere. Oh and, and we were like, honestly, so I don't funny. think I've, I've seen that many people of color out there. And so I think it's really cool to let people know like, Hey, this is, this is for everyone. I believe the backcountry and I believe trails are for everyone. That's a huge part of, of my channel. And mm. uh, so I love to see that she just said, like, I just showed up to be here to say, hey, we're here, we can do this, and we can embrace this part of society and part of the community. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So yeah, and again, to check her out, yeah, she's on Outside Plus, and uh, yeah, her, her current documentary, Breaking Trail, uh, might be worth the watch. It's, it's actually not that long. It's only 30 minutes, and yeah. So again, thanks again to Emily for, for joining the show. But I actually got some trivia for you, mm -hmm. my friend. I've got dog trivia Dog trivia. Okay. Dog for trivia for you coming up right after this. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At MidwayUSA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. 
Altacovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, man, I got dog trivia, and since you're guest host, I've got a punishment for you if you lose. Okay. okay. Is it having to continue to listen to your podcasts? Whoa, that's just offensive right there, Mr. <laughs> Jesse. No, it's this right here, is that if you lose, I'm just going to go ahead and keep this guy right here. I'm showing Jesse. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the Jasper and Malign Lake map. It's like a hostage. You're like, this is yeah, your hostage. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, are you okay? Are you okay? Is he feeding you, Matt? Yeah, he lent that to me last summer, and as he's lending it to me, I'm just like, I'm going to forget to give this back to him, and I did, and so as a result, I just decided to keep it, but I am going to give it back to you unless you lose this trivia. Deal? Deal. Okay. going to win. All right, so first one, so I got two word puzzles, like dog word puzzles, and this is a regular dog question. Okay. 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 The first two word puzzles have to do with dog breeds. All right. So number one okay. is a dog breed similar to deep hole plus male cow. Deep deep hole. Pitbull. 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 That is correct. Ding ding ding. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. So so one for one. Next puzzle is uh, yellow plus finder. Similar to yellow plus finder. Golden retriever. Oh my gosh. Okay. You already passed. Dang it. I got to give your map back. <sighs> for fun you're gonna have to for come fun. back to canada yeah well that might happen for fun this dog is not a real dog he just finds bad guys dog is not a real dog he just yeah i don't even know if this is like culturally relevant to you but i don't care i'm, I'm throwing the question out for people that can figure it out anyway he just finds bad guys okay is it like a cartoon oh no but i like that you're thinking outside the box is he like oh, okay i i got it. is it like a mascot he just finds bad. So what what kind of person finds bad guys? That's not like um, law enforcement. Oh, he's dog the bounty hunter. Yes. Ah, yes. There yes, we go. Okay, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Do you know where dog the bounty hunter actually lives? Isn't he, he's from Florida or the show's always in Florida. No. Is it in Florida? Yeah. He lives in Castle Rock, Colorado, my friend. He lives no in my way. He's your neighbor. I see him at the gym frequently. No, so. actually. Okay. Yeah. I don't No, I don't believe that. I want to see him on the podcast. I want to see a video. I want, I want proof. Okay. And I want you to have him as a host sometime. Like, okay. Take me through this. So you, let's say you're here, you run into him at the gym. Like what's the conversation? This is how I imagine it. Okay. Like okay. pumping weights, like currently pumping weights. You just walk up mm-hmm. to him wearing your backpacking and blisters shirt. And you're like, Hey dog, how's it going, dog? Like, I see you're working out here. Look at this sweet shirt. Do you see this sweet shirt? This is a podcast I'm part of. Would you have anything to say? And then you just hold a microphone up to his face as he's oh, like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then I you see can how you just do it. Ask him if he's done any backpacking and he'll be grunting yeah. and and I'll believe you. Okay. 
Actually, yeah, I've got sort of an indirect way in with him because he has a kid that goes to my wife's school, the one that she teaches at, which is crazy because he's like 40 years older than me, but he's got a kid that's um, that's there, so maybe I'll, I'll go, go that route. That sounds like a challenge. I like that challenge. I just can't believe this is the first time it's coming out that like you go to the same gym as Dog the Bounty Hunter. I didn't know, like, is, yeah, the fact that you know the answer to that question makes me think he's bigger than I think he is. I, I just thought it was just some, like, rando cable show. I didn't realize he was, like, that famous. Well, I mean, I don't know. I grew up on rando cable shows, I guess. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yes, there's, like, a strange amount of, like, famous people connections to our area. I don't know why, but. Hmm. Like, who anyway. else? Who else goes to your gym? They're like, oh, you know, Jeff Bezos. No big deal. <laughs> it's not like that. It's more just like, you know, a lot of former athletes that kind of came through Denver at some point end up, like, moving back and living here, even if they, like, only a small part of their career was here. So you don't, you probably don't know a lot of the American athletes, but, like, Peyton Manning, yeah, for example, Manning. lives pretty close to me, and, like, his kids are going to be coming through our school at some point. So Wild. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, so I got some tidbits. So I'll start with mine, then we'll we'll end with yours. Uh, we got a new Patreon supporter, Brooke. Thank you so much for for joining up with Patreon. She's actually new to backpacking. You're talking about gateways into backpacking, so she might yeah. actually be a, con- a contender for one of these Patreon trips. She appreciates uh, one of the things she values is the Bible verse of all things, which is where we've been getting our negative feedback. And she, in fact, left a uh, podcast review as well. So Brooke, if you don't mind reaching out to me again, I got a package of from a random gearbox coming your way. So, so thank you for supporting us. We really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, so Brooke on Patreon. And then I've got, let's see, speaking of reviews, um, I don't know if I read, read this one previously, CC 616, uh, loving the stories and the banner again, you can reach out. And then I, we got kind of an interesting one. I think I got to save this for Derek. It's called B and B night's tale. And then the person that wrote this was Salvador seven ninety three, And I think they literally wrote like a script for us to read in the review. Is it a B and B version of night of a night's tale? No, it's just, it's just oh. different. I'll just say that it's kind of, well. um, yeah, like I got to figure it out. It's like a code. It's kind of like a word puzzle. It's like it's like backpacking in blisters fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> that concept is so ridiculous. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Okay. Fan, fan oh, I, I really want to see somebody's You can look it's available on the Apple Podcast app, so you can look it up and see. It's not super long, so oh. I'll just save that one for Derek. But again, uh, Salvador, if you want to reach out, yeah. Everybody that, that, that leaves reviews, reach out, give me your address, and I'll send you some random gear from our random gear box. Uh, could be good, could be weird, could be who knows. So uh, the last thing is, for those of you who are aware, is we did a logo release this, pa- I think it was this past week, where we we swapped out our logo, same show, different logo. We actually got some feedback, and Jesse, you can speak to this. Uh, I, I was trying to, like, kind of pump up our social media. And so um, the wife of somebody I went with on a backpacking trip was like, that was their expertise. And then she like looked over our stuff. She's like, look, the first thing you got to do is take care of that logo. That thing is terrible. You want to hear something really funny yeah. is that Sierra, my wife just asked me last week. She said, so when do you think Carl and Derek are going to change their logo? <laughs> <laughs> I think she said like your, their main picture right. or, or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, Knowing Carl and Derek, probably never. What? Probably We've, never. We're on, hey, we're on YouTube right now. We're making changes. We're doing different things. We got like a trivia game show coming up. 
What are you talking about? It's hey, that game show. That game show was fun. So yeah, she would say it wasn't readable. I, I, like nobody's ever given me feedback about the logo. I just was. I just compared it to other backpacking logos, and when I look, when I kind of put it, who said it's not read? Oh, your old one isn't readable. The old one, yeah, the one with yeah. me and Derek on it. I just put it. I like I made that literally during a planning period at school back in the day, and I showed it to one person. They're like, "Dude, that's super cool." So in my mind, I'm thinking it's super cool because nobody's told me otherwise, and. I mean, people started listening to our show, so it was working. And then I, I would line it up next to other logos, other other backpacking podcast logos, and to me, it just looked different. And so I was thinking, well, maybe it's catching people's eyes. I don't know. You should do a poll and legitimately ask everyone on Facebook or Instagram, like, do does the old backpacking and blisters podcast rock or suck, and just see what people say. <laughs> oh yeah, I need to do. That's good. Like how terrible. That's actually okay. leading the witness there. But no, we could definitely do something like that. So anyway, so it's, it's swapped out, but same show and it took probably too long. But you, sometimes you just have to have, you know, like a villain in your life to tell you that something's terrible. So thank I'm you. Disappoint- I'm being re- I'm being replaced. <laughs> Somebody already told you before I did. I just I feel <laughs> no, ashamed. I did. I did. That's so funny, man. So anyway, so that those are that's a lot of tidbits there. But OK, tell us about um, let's see this this episode is out on the 21st of november so what episodes do we have out now on backcountry for what's going on yeah so if you haven't listened to this episode and you haven't heard me drop this whole idea of the fact that i did the gdt and i'm releasing this like trailer and then this episode there'll be two episodes plus a trailer out uh by the time this comes out so if you guys want to see me suffer and all my blunders all my mistakes you heard about some of those in the last podcast um you can check them out over on backcountry forward on youtube that's right. And I'll post that. I, I actually just recently posted again, your first episode on Facebook. And so if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can kind of get those updates when Jesse releases new episodes. Cause I love watching them too. And yeah, please consider subscribing, whether you're here on YouTube or on our traditional podcast or audio version on any podcast app, my friend, that's all I got. Is that all you got? I think that's all I got. All right. God bless everybody. Have a great week. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.